We meet today in Proverbs chapter 13. May I invite you to Proverbs chapter 13, if you will. We continue in this section where we are learning some great principles of life. We have here the kind of teaching that a father might give to his son or a teacher might give to his pupil. The scoffer or the scorner's unwillingness to accept rebuke is once again cited. The speech of the good man is life-giving, and he and others are benefited by it. The treacherous have no desire to further righteousness, but rather are filled with a desire for violence and trouble. Truth in the heart is the secret of practical righteousness. Falsehood is an abomination to those who are in the way. The wicked become more odious with the advance of time and are ultimately overthrown by their own sin. It is in the nature of the wicked man to play the hypocrite when it suits his diabolical purposes. At times he feigns riches and then again feigns poverty. That which will bring him greatest personal gain dictates the direction his pretense takes. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 1 A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Although Solomon was not David's favorite son, Solomon did at least listen to him. He is an example of a wise son who heard his father's instruction. Rehoboam, on the other end, the son of Solomon, is an example of the scoffer or the scorner who did not listen. He is an example to us of the dark side or the negative side, as we have found in many of these proverbs. But there are other examples that we could find in Scripture. Here is Proverbs 13, verse 2 to verse 4. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth. But the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Now, it is often said that the difference between success and failure is determined by how badly one wants to succeed. Yet while desire is certainly important in achievement, desire alone will not prevail. Instead, diligence seems to make the difference. Diligence, however, does not necessarily mean just working harder, but it also means working smarter. You will remember that the Apostle Paul put it right on the line to the Thessalonians. There were some religious, pious souls there who said, We are looking for the Lord's coming, and they quit work. Paul wrote and said, If any would not work, neither should he eat. Second Thessalonians 3 verse 10 You see, we are to work. If you really believe that the Lord is coming, it will make you a better worker. It will make you a better worker. A righteous man hates lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. 
Righteousness guards him whose way is blameless, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Proverbs 13, verse 5 and verse 6. Now this refers to truth in the inward parts. This is the background of practical righteousness. God hates that which is false. He cannot tolerate it. The child of God should recognize and deal with any sin in his life, especially falsehood. This old nature of ours is inclined to lie. It just comes naturally to us to lie. And God says he hates that practice. He will have to deal with that type of a thing. A righteous man hates lying. If you are a righteous man, please hate lying because God hates lying. There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. Proverbs 13, verse 7. Now, money is only a small factor in determining wealth or poverty. Some men wish to deceive by giving the impression that they are wealthy for social reasons, while others may even choose to live frogally, though possessing great wealth. This verse may also suggest that a man of modest means may be prosperous because he is happy and content, while a wealthy man may be poor because he is not content with his position and is continually grasping for more. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Proverbs 13, verse 9. In the study of the history of the kings of Israel, a called attention to this principle at work. One line after another became kings in the northern kingdom. Then suddenly they were cut off, often in a violent manner by murder. This is what God says, the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. It happens again and again in this world. The light of the wicked shall be put out. It is true for whoever is wicked today, take comfort from the fact that God will put out the light of the wicked. By pride comes nothing but strive, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Proverbs 13 verse 10. You see, my friend, when you find contention in a group, in a neighborhood, in a church or church group, the basis of it will be found to be pride. It is always that. As someone has said, it takes two to make a quarrel. Always. You see, pride comes before a fall. Another proverb said, Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Proverbs 13 verse 11. This is another proverb that should be considered in the light of eternity. That is the yardstick that you must put down alongside this. Many wealthy men today apparently knew that they had very foolish offspring. So they established trust so that their offspring could not get it. 
such an arrangement is made so that their offspring can live off the income, but they cannot touch the estate itself. As a result, there are many rich sons actually in the world today, many who never made a dime in their lives, who never worked, they wouldn't know how to work for a living at all, yet they are heirs to tremendous fortunes. But they have been protected so that they cannot touch the principle of their estates. If they could, they would foolishly spend it all. Now this proverb needs to be looked at in the light of eternity. What are true riches, my friend? What is wealth really? Is it those stocks and bones? Well, the individual is going to lose them someday. Death took them away from the original owner. Nobody came in and stole them. He stole away. He went off and left them. And that's going to happen to those who own those stocks and bones today. Whatever it may be, they may even just end up being state property. But the true riches, my friend, what is it? Is having eternal life. You will live off that wealth of having hidden your life in Christ. And passing on that godly legacy to your own children is the most precious thing to ever do in life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Proverbs 13 verse 12 The word deferred is literally drawn out, that is delayed in fulfillment. You see, God's harvest is slow in maturing, as James 5 verse 7 says, and sometimes the delay makes the heart sick. Nevertheless, the harvest or fulfillment of the desire is as satisfying as the tree of life, a symbol of God's renewal, both physical and spiritual. The blessed hope that Titus 2 verse 13 speaks of for every believer is that scarlet thread of redemption, which is the reward of patience issuing in the exciting fulfillment of God's promises. Titus 3 verse 7. You can also keep hoping for something that doesn't come to pass, my friend. That will make the heart sick. This is the reason we ought to be in step with the will of God in our lives, because we hope for many things that will not be realized in our lives at all. How much better it is to accept the reality of the situation in which God has placed us, but we have a hope that does not disappoint in Christ Jesus. Here is Proverbs 13, verse 13 to verse 15. He who despises the word will be destroyed, but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. Now, all through Proverbs, there is this contrast between righteousness and wickedness. God hates pride. God hates lawlessness. He hates hypocrisy. He has no use for this type of a thing that arises out of our human nature. That is the reason God will not accept anything that we do in the old nature. It is only what he can perform through our new nature that is acceptable to him. One thing is sure. 
He is not going to take Asafa Makanga's old nature to heaven. He won't. I will be glad to get rid of it because I know how limited I am and I know how prone to sin I am. In heaven, you and I will be forever parted from that old nature which produces all the sins that are inherent in each of us. God makes what he wants very clear in Isaiah 66 verse 2. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and he who trembles at my word. That is the way we must come to God if we wish to be accepted by him. We cannot come in pride, no. And we dare not despise his word, nor his commandments. We must come with a contrite spirit. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. Proverbs 13 verse 17. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. Now, this is why the proverb repeated this. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. Are you a faithful ambassador of your own country, of your own people? And then are you a faithful ambassador of Christ Jesus? It is required for ambassadors to be faithful. To their sovereign nations. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Proverbs 13, verse 24. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Now, no parent enjoys hearing the plaintive cries of a little one in response to correction or punishment. As a result, some parents back off from enforcing tough standards, certain that a happy child is a healthy child. But Proverbs here says that discipline is a demonstration of love, whereas lack of discipline is a form of hatred. Do you care enough for your children to set limits on their behavior? The proverb hurts is used here in a figurative sense. The point is that one who refuses to discipline his or her children is like one who desires the worst for them and acts as their enemy. Although the motive might be love, the results will be the same as if the parent hurted the child. In other words, a parent does not show his love for a child by overlooking the child's faults and disobedience and neglecting to discipline him, but rather by influencing him to go the right way and prohibiting the child's self-will from gaining control over his life. God's rule for disciplining children, which is found in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 12, also in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5 to verse 11, also applies to the parent-child relationship. Throughout scripture, the rod represents power and authority, and the book of Proverbs presents this rod, also used in Psalm 23, the shepherd psalm, verse 4, as the instrument of discipline. As children experience love and learn obedience from parents, they can better recognize God's love and respond to his discipline. Matthew 7, verse 7 to verse 11. 
So parental discipline must be patterned after divine discipline. Hebrews 12, 5-11 Discipline or chastisement is an expression of love in this verse. It is inextricably bound to hope for the most effective development of the child. It is a means of cleansing, according to Proverbs 20.30. It is a tool for driving out foolishness, according to Proverbs 22.15. It is a vehicle for breaking the rebellious heart and thereby may deliver a child from eternal punishment, according to Proverbs 23.13 and verse 14. It is also an effective teaching tool, teaching device, uh, Proverbs 10, verse 13, 29, 15. The rod is a prerequisite to a parent's rest and satisfaction. Proverbs 29, verse 17. The rod is designed to stop the child's willful rebellion against the authority of his parents, just as God's chastisement is meted out to break man's willful rebellion against God. Isaiah 14 Verse 12 and 14, Isaiah 53, verse 6. And this will bring that will into voluntary submission to God's authority, according to John 14, 15, uh, 21 and 23. Furthermore, the road of discipline underscores the responsibility of the individual for his own act actions, attitudes and reactions. That is Psalm 53, verse 3, Ezekiel 18, verse 4. And 20, Romans chapter 3, verse 10 and verse 23, Romans chapter 14, verse 12. You see, there are several guidelines for administering the rod of discipline. Discipline should be administered promptly, that means early, catching wrong behavior patterns before they become set, then exercising discipline carefully. The child should be dealt with tenderly as well as firmly, so that he understands clearly the offense for which he is being punished. The parent should reflect grief with and for the child over the transgression. Then the parent should remain with the child until their relationship has been restored. You see, this is real child psychology, my friend. The child of God today is told the same thing. Children Obey your parents. But the father is told, do not provoke your children to wrath. Ephesians 6 verse 1 and verse 4. That is, don't whip them or discipline them when you are angry or talking even in a loud voice. Wait until a time when you can calmly sit down with your child and talk with him or her and explain why he is being disciplined. That is important and it is an expression of love. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org